Hey everybody, welcome to Sailfaster. So today we're very privileged to have Laurie Stout uh, join us today. So Laurie's a very well-known, very experienced and very successful sailor from the Annapolis area. So Laurie's winning ways started really early in life, as you're going to hear, and they continued at uh, Boston University where she went to college and where she was ranked first, second and third place over those uh, years in the women's national championships. Uh, as well as picking up the Fowl Trophy for top team during that time. And her post-college sailing career continued in the same style. She won the Snipe North Americans, and that became a design that she became known for. She also finished uh, fourth in the Worlds, third in the Nationals, and fifth in the Pan American Games. Uh, aside from Snipes, she has also a ton of experience in Melges 15s and 24s, J22s and uh, J105s. Uh, Laurie's also well-known in the Annapolis area, not just for her sailing prowess, but also for her sailing clothing company called Stout Gear. Laurie, welcome to Sailfaster. Well, Pete, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I can't wait yeah. to share some of my experiences. So first of all, uh, tell us about you, Laurie. How did you get into um, sailing, and then also how did you how do you get into racing specifically? So I I've been in Annapolis since I was four years old, and my dad had a Tartan Twenty Seven that he would race. I don't recall much about racing with him, but he, I did go out and race with him some. But then um, I was a swimmer and on this Navy junior swim team, and my friends would take off after three years because their parents got um, transferred someplace else. And a friend, a really good friend came back for a summer when we were 14, and my mom put us in Severn Sailing for what to do with these two girls during the summer. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, it was it was fine. And we, we signed up late. So my parents had to buy a boat. So they bought this old club boat that, you know, was perfect for the mate class that I was getting into. And the first day we went out sailing, Kristen and I, <clears throat> she knew nothing. I knew this is your, this is your sister, is it? My friend. My friend oh, your friend. Kate. Okay. Yeah. She knew nothing. And I knew a jib sheet and a main sheet and the bow and the stern. And that was about it. And we, it was breezy, southerly. We went out and promptly capsized. <laughs> and all I could think about was, oh, my gosh, the boat's going to run into the seawall. Oh, no. I mean, I was panicked. <laughs> and we didn't know what we were doing. Had no clue. And so we got the boat up. Obviously, I don't know how we did it. Obviously, the instructors. And I came back in, and I put my hands on my hip, and I said, I quit. This is crazy. And, you know, the instructors were like, oh, come on, let me take you out and I'll teach you how to sail. You know, I'll teach you the different upwind, reaching, jive mark, weather mark, leeward mark. But they put Kristen down the class. So we're in different classes. That's okay. And every week, it was an eight-week session. Every week they had the Baylor Bowl, which was the class, you know, fleet series. And I started to do pretty well. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. And I ended up winning it. And um, I was Outstanding Female Sailor of the Year, too. So I, my head was, like, huge. I was like, this is great. <laughs> I love sailing. And, um, you know, I'm an SSA rat. 
I started to sail on snipes. You know, my friends were like, hey, these snipe sailors need some crew. I was pretty bad. But, um, you know, Fred Thurston, some of you guys would know, um, kind of took me under his wing and got me out there sailing in the snipes. And so I got hooked on the snipes. I was hooked on sailing. Uh, the following year, I was a skipper for two more years. Um, and, yeah, the rest is history. So so you you were a natural? I'd say I was pretty much a natural, yeah. So, okay, so it, 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 there was an instinct within you um, for for sailing. But then from then on, presumably you had to, you know, you had to work at it to get to the level where, that you were oh, at. Yeah. How, did you, how did that work? How did you first learn to improve? Um, what were sort of the the big sort of milestones along the way? Um, college sailing was definitely a milestone. Um, mm. I spent a year at Old Dominion, uh, learned gobs down there. Um, then I went out to Boston University with Skip White, and he was amazing. Um, but I want to back up before college sailing. I want another junior program story, and this is one that I wish was still in existence today. We had a skipper series called Golden Bowl, um, and it was the same eight-week series as the Baylor Bowl. And the Golden Bowl, um, every skipper had to have their own boat. That was part of the requirement. So every skipper wanted to race. Now you need crew. So you take the mates, who are the class below, and you take their name out of the hat. And that was your crew for the day. And when I was a mate, you know, you're like sitting there going, oh, no, what skipper is going to pick me? I don't know if I want to be with that skipper or this skipper or whatnot, because some were screamers and some were really bad and some were the nicest people on the earth. And I thought that that was one of the best experiences as being both the picked crew and the skipper picking a crew, because you had to teach the person how to sail in order to be a good crew for you that day, or else, you know, it was pretty competitive and you wanted to do well. Um, and, you know, you did get to each year, you could sail with eight different people just randomly. Mm. And it was really, really good experience. And unfortunately, they don't really do that anymore. But I just, I learned so much from different people who I was sailing with. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can imagine, right? That must, that's incredible experience. So, do you do you remember was there a was there a um, a huge range in the skipper's sort of abilities and and uh, culture? I mean, was stepping on one boat suddenly very different from uh, oh, stepping yeah. on another? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I got on one boat and the guy's like, "Okay, well, we're going to be doing reaching, and you need to, you know, trim the kite properly. So watch this and do that, and you know, ease out, trim in, ease out." And it's like, "Oh, that's how it works. Okay, that's pretty <laughs> cool." And then the other one, I mean, the screamer guy. I mean, he just would scream, and it's just like, oh, I mean, you're so scared that we ended up capsizing. It's like, dude, you know? Uh, So as far as that goes on the being the crew, you know, I then I had two years of being a skipper. And, you know, it's like you dealt what you're dealt. And it's like, okay, let's work this out. Let's, Let's be a team here. And I approached it the way that the guy who taught me how to trim the sails and whatnot did. I tried not to be the screamer. And it was pretty successful. 
you know, I ended up getting second in that series. So. Do you, do you um, as, as a woman sailor, do you approach um, sort of leading a, leading a team, leading a crew differently? Could be. Um, but I also think that temperance um, is, I, I mean, I, I think that when I sail with people that are my age, you know, everybody's kind of been tempered to, you know, hey, we're out here to have a good time. We can be competitive, but we don't have to be, like, amped up. I might have been a little bit – well, I'm a pretty laid-back person to begin with. So, you know, I couldn't be a screamer if I tried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it can be a a very frustrating sport because when things go wrong – there's that sometimes there's an hour to go <laughs> along the race course oh. and you're constantly thinking of why it went wrong oh yeah you know i on that subject i taught i sailed in the rolex women's regatta and in preparation to get to that regatta we had a team that just wasn't jibing too well together you know there's some friction and you know, you'd round the weather mark, and it wasn't the perfect set, but it was an okay set. Everything's going fine. But somebody's like, well, you could have done this. And I'm like, hey, it's okay. We have the rest of the race to go. It is okay. We're still sailing. You know, no big deal. And then for the next 20 minutes, they bickered about it. I was like, can you please now shut up? <laughs> We're almost <laughs> at the leeward mark. <laughs> I was like, this this is not working. We cannot have this attitude on the boat. Because, you know, everybody's having the same problems. You are somewhere, you know. It's how few mistakes can you make will help you get around the course. But everybody's making mistakes. So just, you know, put it behind you and keep on going. Good advice. It's uh, um, Somebody told me, actually, uh, one way to think about it um, is when you've made a mistake and things are going wrong, then um, imagine you've been parachuted in, you're the new skipper, parachuted in that situation, um, and think of it that way, which sort of which means that you can sort of put the past behind you and start focusing on what, what you have in front of you, right? mm-hmm. which I thought was quite interesting advice, actually. But I want to go to um, – uh, so you went from – uh, junior sailing to uh, oh, BU sailing. up in uh, up in Boston, yeah. right? Uh, were you uh-huh. is that sailing on the Charles and all that sort of thing? Yep, it's sailing on the Charles. And what Skip White taught us was how to teach ourselves how to be sailors. And by that, it was like how to practice, how to you know physical fitness, um, how to make your practice count, you know. Sometimes he's like, oh, let's go for practice. And you go out there and you're taking a six pack and you, you know, cruise around the harbor. Um, other times you go out there and you have a buddy that you're practicing with and you're going upwind for a long time and trying to try different things. So you're obviously getting more out of that practice. So um, that was that was key to learn how to practice successfully and get better and to also understand the the physical fitness that is involved in maintaining you know successful sailing career 
Yeah, no, I, I get that. That's um, it's quite a beautiful place to sail. I, I was at grad school in Boston. I used to run along the, oh, yeah. the towpath there, whatever they call it, and it's in the evening and you'd see the boats. You know, dinghies out there it looked uh, it looked it looked an amazing place to go to uh, college as well. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 those are good three years. Um, okay, let's, let's let's move on to what, what do you what do you class as your biggest biggest achievement or your biggest win over the over the years? Um, back to my swimming days when I was ten, I was like, I'm going to go to the Olympics. Everybody looked at me like, um, Do you realize that you're the smallest person on the swim team? <laughs> 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 and taller people make it to the Olympics. It's like, oh. I, and so you know it's always one of those things that you always wanted to do you know it's like wouldn't that be great and I was pretty successful at sailing but I just didn't have the opportunity to do a campaign it was you know life and um then Henry Filter asked me one year hey let's go try to do the Pan Am trials Pan Am game trials in the night I was like, sure. You know, this is Christmas party. You're, you got a few drinks in you. Sure. No problem. <laughs> I'll do that. And I, um, then we went and we won. And so we went to the Pan Am games and this is how much I didn't really know is that I didn't realize that, Hey, I am a member of the U S sailing team now. And I am, you know, it's the silver fleet for going to the Olympics, but I was like, mm. you know, given my life and my, you know, what has happened? I'll, I'll take this as a I made it. <laughs> I, mm. So that was my what? biggest achievement. So you, so you represent your country at the Pan Am Games, basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In 1999. Yeah, not many people can uh, can say that. So that's um, fantastic. And there's a wonderful oh. regatta, super super windy. Um, those little Latin American boys are really, really fast. <laughs> where, where was it? Where, where was uh, it? We were in Winnipeg, up in oh, Canada. Wow. Yeah. So it was beautiful. Wait, I don't even know when. I know Winnipeg's in Canada. Is it on a lake? Oh, yeah. We're on um, Gimli Lake, uh, which is north of Winnipeg. And Winnipeg's north of North Dakota. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. I'm. I'm... I'm a Brit, so I'm just showing my ignorance of Canadian geography, so my Canadian friends would be very upset. Um, uh, yeah, marvellous. Um, hey, there's one question here that I know you wanted to respond to, which I'm, I can't wait to ask you, and that is, it's, it's a two-part question. Is there a leg of the course that you excel at, and is there a leg of the course that you suck at? Okay. I excel downwind. Um Mm. I, I kind of, I love to go downwind. I don't care if it's reaching, running, spinnaker up, whisker pole up or whatnot. But I definitely like to go downwind, um, feel the puffs, jive in the, you know, play the ships and also ride waves. I love to ride waves. So mm. that's one of my better legs. Why, why do I, you, it, it's funny, you're the second person that's talked about um, downwind. Uh, Doug Stryker talks talked about his windsurfing days as being giving him um you know a sort of a tactical sense for what to do on downwind so why why do you think that you you enjoy you do well on the downwind it's curious um because where i live is the rundle on the bay and we're over by thomas point we're right on the bay and one 
summer, we had the snipe here, Alex and I. And I said, man, I just am not good off the wind. And he said, well, let's go out. And we'd save, save it for the windy, southerly days. And he taught me how to sail downwind. And we just kept practicing and practicing and practicing. And after that, I was like, oh, I'm hooked. I love this. <laughs> wow. So back to the practice, you know, it's like, okay, let's, let's go practice and make it worthwhile. Yeah, I, I think um I mean I'm nowhere near the experience you have, but the but going downwind in a in a J one oh five as I as I do now in on a windy day when you you feel you know, alternatively terrified and exhilarated, it's quite it's quite a memorable uh memorable situation. The other thing that the 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 legs are a lot shorter as well, often because you're just steaming downwind <laughs> at high speed. And all all I'm doing is is just counting down how long before we drop the shoot? <laughs> so we don't right, it's like run the, run the mark. Yeah, no kidding. Um, we got a Melgus 15, and so uh, we sailed it one race this summer over in Bemby Beach area, and we hit 15 knots on this little thing. And <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, what do you do now? We got to jive. <laughs> We didn't make it. We went over so fast. It was unbelievable. <laughs> but man, I'll tell you, being in a 15 foot boat and going 15 knots downwind, it was like, wow, this is a ride. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't you feel it sort of on the edge of control? It's, uh, oh, um, yeah. The, the, whole rig is, life. the whole rig is pounding. It, it's just crazy. Yeah. 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 All right. Is, it, is there a second part to this? Is there a, a leg <laughs> that you. I mean, um, Saka is, you know, it's semantic. So course, but, yeah. after a great downwind leg, if there's a gate down there and there's other boats around the gate, I just can't beat them out of the gate. I'm just like, why am I like the last one out of the gate? So I, I don't know. I mean, I just need to study up or visualize or do something to figure out or maybe start thinking about the gate about, I don't know time I'm around the weather mark, how I'm going to get through it. I get on the wrong side of everything on the, at the gates. So I get very frustrated there. Mm. Um, so that's, you've, you've, that's, you've done this for a while, so. <laughs> come, yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I don't know. It's a mental block or something going on there. So <laughs> I work on that one. Is it, so. is it, um, is it positioning? Is it the, you know, the, you get them, you're not the inside boat. It's, it's position, yeah, it's, it's positioning. It. You're not on the inside or everything goes so slow or you just can't keep your bow or your bow is just barely locked out or, you know, or you went to the wrong gate because, oh, it looks easier to go to that gate. And then you look over your shoulder, you go, oh, it was such the wrong gate though. I sailed so much <laughs> further. Yeah. I've never, the, the, People say, "Well, you can you can see which gate is further up when." I'm like, I can't see which gate is further up when. <laughs> exactly the same to me. That's yeah. that's really really interesting. But then then once you're around, you're you know obviously the the, the, so the upwind leg then becomes and, yeah. You're going comfortable with that, right? And it's like yeah, it's like okay, I'm going to get them back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do I have to um, do? Uh, so it, um, let me move on to um, race prep. I really wanted to ask you about 
Um, I mean, you're hugely experienced, hugely successful. So I'm, I'm really curious about what does race preparation look uh, look like for you? What is, are the things you typically do before a race? Um, you know, tuning, getting equipment right. You know, the, the obvious stuff, obviously. But uh, I know um, some people have told me how they um, practice visualization. Here's just uh-huh. in their head, they start to think about what does that last minute look like? What am I doing? Where am I going? Just curious about 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 that. And others have said actually. Um, you know, as they're driving to the race, they're really getting themselves in that in that sort of mode. So there's an attitude part of this, there's an equipment part of this. There's a probably uh, you know thinking about obviously you know wind, current, all that sort of thing. Just curious, what, what does your preparation look like? Um, my preparation starts when I wake up, and wow. I um, I've identified that probably the single biggest mistake that most of us make is that we get dehydrated on the water Mm. and so i start with a glass of um electrolytes and it's like okay but i make sure that i keep drinking water all day long so i'm i'm well hydrated by the time i get on the boat i also i have a very like sausage egg sandwich something pretty hearty to put in my stomach and then i consider you know it's like okay i'm I'm fed until race time um but like i say I, i keep drinking water uh get to the boat i like to get there with plenty of time i don't like being rushed um make sure you got Everything you need to put on the boat, our boats will bring everything. We take it out at the end of the day, but there's water bottles. There's, I'll, I'll take fruit, bars. I'm not a big sandwich person. Um, I'll definitely take some more electrolytes. Uh, I, I probably overdo the water, but I end up drinking like maybe four bottles of water during the course of the day, depending on how wow. long we're out there. Um, yeah. and then, uh, Rig tune, definitely check the rig. You know, what, are the numbers right? What's 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 the wind going to be? Where do we want to be set at at the beginning? You know, we might as well start out on the right foot. Um, make sure you put the, the tape on where you're supposed to, you know, cover your bases on all the little things that you know you're supposed to do. And um, I don't like to be the last person off the dock. I really don't like being the last person off the dock so i kind of keep the pace going uh once we get on the water you know take a, take a little bit of time enjoy the fact that you're on the water it's a special thing and then start looking around and start seeing kind of what's going on and of course somebody's with you so there's two boats and you got to kind of race each other but you, you don't want to go too hard at it you're just kind of sailing on out uh, when you get to the race area, I start to get focused. Um, where's the breeze coming from? What's the wind, you know, wind shots? Let's go upwind. Let's, uh, you know, get our numbers. I definitely believe you need to know where your compass is. Make sure everything works. You know, do tacks and jibes, a couple of those. Nothing to kill yourself, though. And then, um, you know, get ready for the race. Uh, the at the end of the race, I, um, you know, we might discuss what went good and what went bad. 
you know, what can we fix? Uh, oh, we need to practice our roll tax. Okay, let's go do five or six roll tax just so that we can, you know, get back in the groove. Uh, definitely eat something and drink. Um, I believe that you need to eat something after each race, but you don't need to have a, you know, like a mini cliff bar or, you know, half an apple or something like that. And then go do it again. And then when you come in, can't wait for a beer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, this is really interesting um, about you're, you're very keen on getting your, your body prepared and um, for that race and also um, and during the race as well. That, that's really – that's a, I mean, that's being a real athlete, isn't it, when you're, you're conscious of what your body needs. That's, that's super interesting. Have, have you always been like that or do, did, you, did you sort of learn that so that you needed to do that? I'd say that I learned it. I always used to say, whoa, the, that third race of the day, that's the one where the men and the boys are separated. Um, because you, we always, you know, for many years, it's like, oh, God, we have a third race. Oh, man, this is where we start to fall apart. And it's dehydration. Mm. You know, mm. your brain just starts to wander. You, you can tell it's happening when it's like, wow, the water's so beautiful. I just want to watch the water. So, <laughs> Start looking around. <laughs> but but you, you also said you give yourself time to um, sort of absorb the environment on the way out anyway, right? To get a sense yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. Do you, I'm just curious, what you talked about going, when I've heard people talk about, um, uh, some people do the course in miniature. They they do upwind, sometimes reaching, then downwind, and uh, uh, it's sort of sailing the course in miniature. Do you do that, or is it just for you just going up, um, just, you know, getting the groove up wind and seeing if you can track wind shifts and that sort of thing. I, yeah, no, I don't sail the whole course. Um, but, you know, usually the courses are windward lured, so you go upwind and then you come downwind. And mm. I, I do think that if you take the time and you find a person and you have a partner, that's really beneficial before the races because the two oh, of the you tuning are partner. a tuning partner. You can bang each other, you know, ideas. What did you think of the right-hand side? What did you think of the left-hand side? You know, if you have somebody that you can tune up with, that that's really key. And that takes practice. You know, you can go out with a tuning partner and they, they suck. <laughs> or you go out with one and they're very good. It, it takes communication and practice. It takes a bit of trust as well. I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. You know. exactly. Not fake it out. No, the left side's terrible. <laughs> Definitely stay away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Any other preparation things that you you do? I, you I know, know, when you get to the big regatta, you make the boat all slippery and pretty and all that other stuff. But no, I mean, mainly you want to keep your equipment going. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, do you, by the way, do you have a favorite? I know you've been on lots of um, different um, boat design, designs and brands. Do you have a favorite? Is there a boat you step on the? Oh, I lo always love sailing these boats. Um, well, the snipe is my my hobby. I have my baby. Hmm. Uh but now I, I I enjoy all sorts of boats. I, I like the dinghies a little bit more than the bigger boats, but um, I I, I like sailing. Yeah, sounds sounds like it. Um, hey, I want to talk about starting. Actually, do do you have a favorite starting strategy? Is a a strategy that you you tend to use? I know different races, different situations, but it, it, do you have a favorite starting strategy? And 
and I'm interested in learning what happened. What happens when it's not working out for you? Okay. Yeah. Um, I believe in a line site. Uh, if you can get a line site, it's invaluable. Uh, so I hope I can. <laughs> then after that, I make sure that I get the compass heading from the committee boat to the um, pin. And I do a wind shot to see which end is favored. I have that compass heading. So I can do wind shots up to whenever and see which end is favored, if it's shifting or whatnot. Um, the other thing that I really, really like to do is for the first, if it's a five-minute start, for the first two minutes at least, I like to go up and back right on the starting line in between the committee boat and the pen, back and forth, back and forth. That way I kind of get to sensei where the starting line is. You know, do you have some land things that you see? You can kind of, you know, kind of the picture gets a little bit clearer. And then um, at that point, you know, which end are we going to start at? I'm usually like to do the port tack approach thing, um, but I'm not opposed to, you know, getting to the weather's end and just kind of getting ready to dance in the lineup, just come in and dance in the lineup. I tend to want to go slower than most people like to or do go. So it does give me an opportunity to control a hole. Um, but this is in the approach lorry, right? When you say yeah. going slower, when you yeah, make that yeah. final approach. We're, we're yeah. in that, we're like in the last 30 seconds, we're doing the, the squiggly dance up to the line and whatnot. Um, I check my line site see if we're, you know, or if I don't have a line site, you know, I keep checking back and forth between the two. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully trim and go, be in the front row. <laughs> How often do you uh, OCS? Or OCS, yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, that's pretty much, and when things don't go well, you know, how fast can you get out? Yeah. And um, let's see, uh, if you are down at the leeward end, um, it's harder to get out, obviously. If you're at the weather end, it's easier to get out and upwind. Try to get clear air. That's a big thing. I find that, I'm just curious about something. So if you, if you have a start where you're in the middle of the fleet and therefore you've got boats to leeward of you and, and boats to windward of you and you know some of them are obviously poking ahead of you i say obviously my things are poking ahead of me and then you know my crew um like jen for example is then okay we need to find a we need to attack we need to get out of here find a find a lane that we can tack on immediately and my instinct which is probably <laughs> probably completely wrong is yeah but if we just hang in here a few more minutes then it's you know this is the right side of the course for us and people are going to tack away. Um, so I just wonder, do you, do you have that inside dilemma, or, or are you really, hey, if you get in, if you get into a place where you're being impacted by a, a leeward, you know, what, what goes through your head? If you're going to the side that you know you need to go to, just keep going. You know, it's like we have to get to the left. There's the right is just suicide. You got to keep going. 
uh, you know, you bear off, you let them go and you bear off and you, you know, you're, you're losing, you're losing definitely, but you're still going to the right side, the correct side. If you are gutsy, I, I hold that there's a lane. If you tack immediately and you're in the front row and you tack immediately, there's this lane between the front row and the second row that you can kind of squeak through. Now, I don't know if I do it in J105. That could be exciting. <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes sometimes you can get that and you just get launched off the front row. So you really haven't lost anything. Um, it always is, you know, it's always like you look at it and you're like, if I tack, then I have to duck and duck and duck and duck and duck. If that's to, if going to the right is the correct thing to do, do it. I mean, get to you the correct side of the course. You know, just take eat your eat it and just get to the proper side of the course. And you know, you might take oh, and don't tack too much. Make sure that your tacks are you know they're they're the tacks you want to do because once you start tacking too much, you're losing every time you tack. Yeah. You know, you might have been better off just dipping the boat and you know. We're going to lure to the boat and just, you know, first scenario that we talked about. So I'm, I'm, I love this idea of this lane between the front row and the second row, because presumably if you do, if you do tack on support after a start, just behind that front row, then every time you pass somebody, you're, you're getting a, a little bit of a lift from them, right? Because they're exactly. bending the wind. In, in the, and, and the yeah. boats in the second row are already getting gassed. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to look it's for it. that. It's, I sail a K105, so I'm not sure I'll be able to do that. <laughs> um, hey, Laurie, tell us about uh, what else you do, because I know you, uh, uh, we, we very happily wear your shirts, so I can do a commercial for Stout Gear. <laughs> right. You do terrific shirts, beautiful designs, great stuff. Love, I love that. Um, but you, you also have some, um, um, you've also started some sort of sailing organizations, haven't you, as well, in the Chesapeake? Yes. Um, I'd say that in, 2003, when my kids started sailing, I took an interest in being a sailing mom. And um, that came with a sailing village mom, I think. And um, I uh, ended up becoming the head of the SSA junior board. I guess that's what we were. We were the parents that kind of ran the junior program. and. when I was doing that, I was at another Christmas party. The boat owner, J105 <laughs> boat owner, said, hey, we have a lot of kids that are in high school between our crew. Why don't we get a boat to teach them how to sail on a keel boat? And me being, hey, I work with kids. No problem. I can find the kids. Became in charge of it. And he went out and he bought a brand new J105 for the kids. And we organized a nonprofit. It was Chessie Junior Racing. And we sailed Wednesday nights and they sailed on weekends here on the bay. And it was all high school kids. It was a wonderful program. Um, I'm very happy that my kids were able to take advantage of it. Uh, Storm Trisail came in. And they bought a boat, which ironically was the old boat that this boat owner used to have. And um, said, can we put a boat into your program too? 
And so we had two boats that we fielded for every Wednesday night and um, bay races with high school kids uh, with this nonprofit. Unfortunately, um, they went out to Block Island one year, and the delivery team, who was from Storm Trisail, made a right-hand turn into New Jersey with the boat, and that was the end of that boat. It got beached. So mm-hmm. the program kind of fell apart at that point. You know, the sustainability of it was kind of, you know, it was like, hey, boat owner, can you please give us more money? Uh, you know, these boats are expensive to maintain, this and that. But I was able to hold on to the nonprofit and um, started Annapolis Community Boating, which was, you know, community boating, trying to get the general public out on the water because I feel very strongly that many people here in town do not have the option to get on the water. I know that for a fact. And I really think that they should. So did that for many years. It didn't succeed. We were about ready to buy land and then that fell through and that kind of took the literally the air out of the sails. Hmm. So um I can honestly say there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in that, and I haven't done a whole lot of volunteering in the sailing world since then, but I still do work with kids in the neighborhood. Um, I do an art project that is uh, celebrating Annapolis' maritime heritage and its artwork that is on the Annapolis Middle School fence. And students have painted different shapes. There's seahorses and boats and fish and boy fishing and lighthouses and stuff like that on it. And then I also work with a little free library program where we have libraries set up in 25 locations in the city for, and it's in parks and low-income housing. So we can get books into these libraries and we want them to take them and take them home and keep them. So. You know, not so much doing anything in the boating world, but still connecting with the community just because I had a great relationship when I was doing community boating with the community. We have the, I live in DC, we have little free libraries and I do stuff them (laughs) with uh, uh, books that they probably actually don't want. But uh, I think it's a great, great community institution to, to, to do that for sure. Yeah, they they have a wonderful website. You can find little free libraries wherever you go, and um, yeah, it's a nice yeah, I, program. I, I was interested in in the work that you did with um, with kids, guys. You know, I'm I'm unlike you. I'm really late to sailing. I didn't come from a family of sailors, nothing like that. I actually probably started sailing in my my forties. It's I think it's it's a fantastic sport for young people because. You have to learn. You have to take responsibility. You can't hide. Um, there's absolute leadership, um, leading teams, uh, solving problems, um, coping with frustration and failure, uh, celebrating wins together, bonding with people, um, following rules. You know, competition. It's a fantastic sort of um, um, simile for what what you find in in life sometimes. So uh, I think that's a, a great program. There's a program i know that people run in uh friends of mine run in florida uh emerald coast sailing association and they are packed every every summer completely sold out um with teams of kids and i think it's absolutely marvelous and i'm envious because i wish i'd done it as a kid but 
but uh, I think it's a great, great, great programs for uh, to make people, you know, better human beings. It's great. Mm-hmm. It is. It, I mean, well, you're in nature. Um, you know, the gives kids an opportunity to see something that they've never seen before. And uh, there's a healing factor of being on the water. You know, you come back and you feel better than when you left the dock. And, you know, people gravitate to that. They enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, unless you come DFL and then, <laughs> and it's pretty ugly. Um, hey, Laurie, this has been, I knew it was going to be interesting and, and uh, fascinating and a complete pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time because I know you're super busy um great insights great learning and great great stories thank you laurie you're welcome well thank you pete for having me and um i wish you lots of luck with it to hear more of our conversations about racing sailboats make sure you subscribe to the sail faster series wherever you get your podcasts or go to sailfaster.net to sign up and learn more Thanks for listening and see you on the water.